listening to Legal Talk Network. Hello, and welcome to our podcast live with the ABA section of antitrust law. This is Jana Seidel, and I'm the host for today's episode. Joining me now, I have Marissa Levette, the Assistant Staff Counsel for the ABA's Center for Pro Bono, Meredith Linsky, the Director of the ABA Commission on Immigration in Washington, D.C., and Richard Parker, a partner at Gibson Dunn in D.C. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So before we get started, could you please tell us a little bit more about yourselves, a little bit more about where you work and what it is that you do day to day? Let's start with Rich. I do all antitrust all the time. I do uh, litigation. I try cases. I also do the regulatory work with the DOJ and the FTC. And I was once uh, an enforcer. I was director of the Bureau of Competition uh, uh, about 20 years ago. So I'm an ex-enforcer and I, uh, I represent clients in court and I represent them in front of both agencies. Great. Thank you. Meredith? I direct the ABA's Commission on Immigration. And the commission is unique in the ABA because it has both policy and direct service components. So we do work around policy and programming and resource development. But we also have projects on the border in San Diego, California, and Harlingen, Texas, that provide representation and legal services for immigrants and asylum seekers. We also have a legal resource center in Houston that focuses on children's immigration law. Great. Thank you. Marissa? So I'm with the Center for Pro Bono of the ABA, and we work to give technical assistance and support to programs providing pro bono services. Um, And we work on policy initiatives to encourage and increase pro bono work amongst attorneys. All right. So to get us started, I looked up a few statistics because I feel like law firms are spending more time than ever on pro bono. And it looks like the Pro Bono Institute launched this law firm pro bono challenge almost two decades ago. And it, when it started in 1998, lawyers only spent about 2.8% of their billable hours on pro bono. But now the average pro bono hours per attorney per year has gone up steadily and increased by 210% from 2000 to 2017. Some saw 2017 as sort of a tipping point with the percentage of lawyers in big law who contributed at least 20 hours to pro bono surpassing 50% for the first time. And the findings showed that the AMLAW 200 as a whole contributed more than 5 million hours of pro bono work that year. Can each of you briefly talk about what you see happening here and how you think this will continue to develop, especially, Rich, I know you're at Big Law, so it'd be great to hear your perspective on how Big Law has been involved and how that is increasing and associates are encouraged to continue that trend. My law firm uh, and a previous law firm I was with both have an infrastructure for pro bono with people who are in charge of it. It is encouraged. Uh, Pro bono hours are tracked. Management of the firm expects there to be significant uh, pro bono hours and uh, uh, young lawyers in particular are encouraged to participate, and I find that there is a lot of enthusiastic participation in big law in, uh, in, in pro bono activities, and I think that's very good for the lawyers involved and very good for the United States. Just to follow up on that, I know that you yourself have been heavily involved in pro bono previously. Could you tell us a little bit about those cases? Yeah, I um, am uh, someone who believes that there's something in the DNA of men and women attorneys uh, such that uh, talent develops best when it's given away uh, for something bigger than yourself. It's just the way it works. I was told that by a mentor, and I think it's very important for 
lawyers to find things they are passionate about, whether it is a person or whether it is a type of case. For me personally, it was the uh, death penalty. I'm opposed to it. And I have been lead counsel in two death penalty cases and was assisting uh, in a third. Uh, and I would say those are, I mean, I like, I've tried a lot of antitrust cases. I've been in a lot of interesting things. But if I had to say the best experience in my, in my career have been those pro bono uh, death cases. And they are huge undertakings and uh, take a lot of time. You can't do one every year. You have to space them out to be, to be fair to your firm. But, but I found them to be uh, uh, very, very gratifying. Thank you. I think that dovetails nicely with um, what Mayor this is here to speak about. I think that from natural disasters to border family separations, big law is getting more involved. And I'd like to hear from you how lawyers can get involved with the programs that you were discussing, for example, the border project and what other opportunities you offer. Great. Thank you. Yes, um, there has been a real surge in interest in immigration-related pro bono opportunities, um, everything from engaging in class action lawsuits to representing individual asylum seekers or going to airports to help represent uh, intending immigrants. And so there is a lot of interest all over the country, and it's very gratifying to see. At the ABA Commission on Immigration, like I mentioned, we have two border projects, at ProBar in Harlingen, Texas, we represent individual unaccompanied children and uh, detained adults. Um, these are folks who are in removal proceedings who may eventually be deported, but many have claims to legal relief, including political asylum or special immigrant juvenile visas for for minors. And so people can get involved by coming down and taking an individual case or working on week-long pro bono trips that we're organizing um, going forward every month. And these trips do not require previous experience in immigration law or necessarily you know, Spanish skills, but we'd like people who are interested in learning, who are interested in seeing firsthand what's happening at the border and in immigration and customs enforcement detention facilities. Um, we also have a project in San Diego that focuses on representing folks at the Otay Mesa detention facility. And there are screening opportunities to work with unaccompanied children who are held in detention facilities throughout the country and are seeking to reunify and gain protection. That's fantastic. So I think you also mentioned um, that you end up drafting reports and standards. Could you talk a little bit about those opportunities and what sure. it is that you're contributing? Sure. Uh, recently, we just completed a three-year project. It's an update to a 2010 report called Reforming the Immigration System. Um, and the update just came out last week. So I brought a copy with me um, to share with you all. But um, this is something that we do periodically in, in analyzing the immigration adjudication system. Uh, that report is on our website. Um, and we do also draft and update standards of practice. So we recently updated standards on the representation and adjudication of unaccompanied children's cases. Uh, we don't have anything at the moment that we're working on because we just issued these two uh, major reports and standards but we will definitely have more opportunities in the future. Well, that's great to hear. Um, Marissa, I'd like to talk to you a little bit about how the ABA Center for Pro Bono helps encourage lawyers to get involved. Sure. So I think one of the things that at the Center for Pro Bono we really like to talk about is the fact that all attorneys really can do pro bono. 
there are many, many resources offered by pro bono programs to help attorneys who might be newer to a certain practice area or might not know a certain practice area. You can get involved. Organizations offer training, they offer support, they offer mentoring so that even if it's a family law case and you're an antitrust lawyer, you can still take that case. So I think that's one of the things that we really try to encourage and and talk about. We do have quite a few resources on our website, abaprobono.org, where we can connect attorneys with opportunities throughout the country. One of the initiatives that we started about 11 years ago is the National Celebration of Pro Bono. This year's national celebration will be taking place October 20th to 26th. And that's a week-long celebration to really focus a spotlight on pro bono service throughout the U.S. We encourage organizations, and this includes law firms, pro bono programs, legal services organizations, and law schools, to have events to focus on their pro bono volunteers and to let attorneys in the community know what pro bono opportunities there are for them to get involved. Um, Last year, we had over 1,400 events in 50 states and D.C., Um, And there are also international events now that are happening. This is a really grassroots initiative where individual organizations throughout the country are hosting these programs. And it's really inspiring and really great to see all the amazing work that attorneys across the country are doing for pro bono. Great. I've also heard a little bit about pro bono in your pajamas. Could you tell me what that is and how people get involved in that? Sure. So we have a website, abafreelegalanswers.org, and that is an online legal advice clinic where attorneys can log in and answer questions that are posted by income qualifying clients. So clients come in, they post their civil legal questions, and attorneys can log in from anywhere that they have internet access, and they can answer those questions. Um, And it's a really great start for people who might be hesitant to do pro bono work because you can start and you can really see how great it is and how easy it is to do pro bono. And we hope that from there, people will start to get involved more and take more and more cases. That's great. So in terms of encouraging pro bono early on, I believe that you also partner with law schools and help law schools foster younger aspiring lawyers to start kind of that trend of giving back to something that's bigger than yourself, which Rich alluded to. Most of the law schools across the country, it's really inspiring. They, most of them have now a dedicated pro bono coordinator or some person on staff to really help um, students find opportunities to do pro bono. And it's great for students to get involved while they're still in law school to see the need for pro bono and to see all of the different ways that there are to get involved. Students can help with ABA Free Legal Answers. A lot of states have been doing clinics that will pair law students with attorneys, and the law students will help the attorneys to answer questions on free legal answers. So it's a really great program and a really great way for law students to get involved. Fantastic. So I would like to ask a little bit about how all each of you got into the roles that you are in today in terms of giving back to the community and helping others to get involved in pro bono and participate. Let's start with Rich. I'm not involved in any groups or organizations. I just got interested in the uh, death penalty issues. And to take on those cases, uh, you had to have a pretty good team of lawyers. And so I tried to give people a good group of people and give them an opportunity to have the experience of, of representing somebody in that very difficult 
uh, circumstance. I, once people got into it, there is no problem motivating people because what you do is you, I mean, there's two types of pro bono. There's one where you get involved, I'm speaking broadly, in some cause where you're writing an amicus brief or something to a court of appeals. That's one type. The other type is where you're dealing with a human being who really, really needs you very badly. And I think that's what people finally understood when we would meet this gentleman in, on death row and, and, and interview him and try to prepare the case. I think it was not hard motivating people. I've always said if you want to know something about the human condition, as a human being, get involved in the criminal justice system. And once you do, I think your perspective on life changes. And I think that's what happened to the teams that were on my uh, case. And I think all of them, after those cases, went on to do other things. That's fantastic. Meredith? Yes, when I graduated from law school 20 years ago, I decided to move to South Texas, and I actually directed the ABA's project there, Pro Bar, for 15 years um, before moving to D.C. five years ago. And it really gave me a basis for everything I do today, and I think, you know, the credibility to be contributing in you know a, a more national way, um, but I wouldn't trade those 15 years for anything. It was the most satisfying, rewarding, um, you know, uplifting work I could do. I mean, every day uh, was challenging, and there were more times that I would have to tell people I couldn't help them, that they didn't have legal relief. But I felt like even having you know someone there to provide dignity and, you know, a strong legal advice to people was an important contribution. I just have to add, it just sounds to me like uh, in, you know, 2019, the opportunity to work on immigration strikes me as something, certainly if I was a young lawyer, I'd be interested in a great opportunity to do something good for the United States and, and to do something good for a person who needs you very badly. Absolutely. Marissa? So when I graduated from law school, um, I was practicing representing parents and kids in special education cases, so disputes against the school district. And I also was coordinating a pro bono program for law students at our local domestic violence courthouse in Chicago. And then I continued practicing in the area of, of special education and disability law for at a very small nonprofit. And through that, I really saw the need for pro bono work. Being in the domestic violence courthouse every day, um, there were people coming in every day who didn't have an attorney and needed just someone to go up with them to help them file their order of protection and needed that representation. And the statistics on... I don't have them off the top of my head, but the statistics on um, people who are represented by an attorney when they're going through their order of protection petition versus when they're not are staggering. It's it's amazing what the difference is whenever you have attorney representation. So that for me really showed me the need for pro bono work and for pro bono attorneys. And um, I continue now to, to still take domestic violence cases and represent petitioners. And I really think that pro bono is important and hope that attorneys will get involved as they can. Great. What kind of advice would you give young lawyers or those that are already more established and have been practicing for a while in inspiring them to help those that need their assistance the most? Marissa? I would tell young attorneys to just 
go out and get started. Don't be afraid. Find an opportunity and find something that you're really passionate about. I think that's really where it starts um, is finding an issue or an area that you really believe in and where you can really see the need for attorney assistance. There are so many resources and there are so many opportunities. Don't be afraid. There are a lot of supports in place to help you. If it's an area that you're not completely familiar with, there's mentoring, there are resources from your local legal aid and and legal services organizations. And so I would say don't be afraid and just go out and do it. Fantastic. Marissa? Uh, Meredith, sorry. (laughs) Yes, um, I was going to say the same thing. Basically, don't let fear inhibit you. Find a mentor or a pro bono coordinator or someone that runs a program that can offer you the training and and supervision you need so that you can feel confident in what you're doing. Uh, You won't regret it. Rich? Uh, I think that for a great law career, in my opinion, there's three components. One is picking an area and mastering it. For me and many people listening to this, it's antitrust. The second is uh, pro bono because, as I said earlier, it uh, is good for the United States. It good, it's good for you. It makes you a better lawyer, and I guarantee you it makes you a different person. And the third, which is probably a subject for another podcast, is, is government service. And so I think excellence pro bono and government service are the three main components of a great legal career. So for a young lawyer as myself, it's very encouraging to hear about all the different opportunities. If one of our listeners has questions or would like to follow up with each of you, how can they reach you? Marissa? Well, you can go to our website at abaprobono.org or um, certainly feel free to contact me directly at uh, marissa.levette at americanbar.org. And I would also encourage listeners to go to the Commission on Immigration's website at www.americanbar.org forward slash immigration. And there is a link there for pro bono opportunities so you can get more information about those um, and precisely where they are and when they're being held. And you're also welcome to contact me, meredith.linsky at americanbar.org. And I'm on the website at Gibson Dunn in Washington, Rich Parker, and I would welcome calls or emails from somebody who wanted some advice on this. I feel very strongly about it. Fantastic. Well, it looks like we've reached the end of our program. I want to thank each one of you for providing your insight and for letting everyone, including me, know about these fantastic opportunities. I'm sure I will get involved, and I hope others will as well. So thank you all. Thank you. Thank Thank you. you. This concludes another podcast with the ABA section of Antitrust. If you like what you heard, please join us in person at some of our upcoming conferences. Details are available at ambar.org slash antitrust. I'm Yana Seidel. Until next time, thank you for listening. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer.